Take your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 15. Such a blessing to be back here this morning. I thank Brother Gary for the opportunity to preach in my home church this morning. Luke chapter 15. The title of this is The Father of Open Arms and Love. And I've seen it this morning. Beginning in verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. The parable of the prodigal son begins, the man with two sons, and we begin to see the difference in these two men. I want to tell you this morning, these two men are sinners. And that's what we're going to study today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I thank you that we can meet in your house, Lord, that we can hear your word, that we worship you through song, Lord. But I pray now that I step back, Lord, and that you speak. Lord, I don't want it to be me. Lord, it can't be me. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit continue to move, that you speak through me this morning, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you forgive me of all that I've done that failed against you, Lord. Lord, as I struggle to become one of the brothers, Lord, that you help me fight that temptation. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, in verse 12 through 14, look with me. We're going to look at the typical everyday sinner. That sounds strange, right? The typical everyday sinner. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided to them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in wants. You see, in the beginning of this, we see the, the brother, this younger son, the fall begins to happen. He begins by separating himself from his father. And it all began when he claimed his rights. He claimed his rights. And he began to follow his own interests. Separating himself from his father. This evil sin, it begins germinating in his heart. And it begins to grow. And before we know it, it's growing outwardly. And then it begins to reflect on his life. We begin to see this self-will, a selfishness that's growing from this younger brother. You know, he didn't like his father's authority. He didn't like it at all. He wanted to be free. He wanted to do what he wanted to do and when he wanted to do it. That was me as a teenager. Amen? What he decided is, hey, here's what I want. I want to be my own master. I'm going to rule my life. No one else is going to do it for me. So what's his father do? He gives him what he wants. He gives him exactly what he wants. And in return, he takes that gift that his father gave him. He carries it off and he wastes it, living a luxury, a luxurious life, a life of luxury and a life of riotous living. He began 
chance to squander everything he was given because it didn't mean anything to him. He squandered it all away. And he goes off into this far country. But in this far country is a place. He's never been there before. He's never experienced this far country. But he goes. And it's somewhere he wasn't prepared for. It was an uncharted territory. And what's he do? It begins to consume him. And he began to follow the ways of that country. He forgot everything his father had taught him. And he started wandering off. He had pushed himself so far from his father and his country. He had lost their way. In a place he didn't belong, doing something he never should have done. We've all been there, right? We found ourselves in that situation. This young man was about to hit rock bottom. He shouldn't have been there, but what did he do? He decides, hey, I've got all this wealth. I'm just going to spend it and have a good old time, have fun. And then we look back and all of a sudden it's all gone. Now he's in wants. He's got nothing left, and on top of that, a great famine comes up. Everyone in the land was short on food, and it made it much harder for him to live. And he begins to struggle to get the very essentials needed to live, food and water and shelter. None of that's there for this young man. And here's what happens when we begin run off into the far country. Verse 15 to 16, look with me. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields and fed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. I want you to think for a moment on this. I want you to think about the animals in the Bible. I'll tell you that David and Moses and Jacob, they fed the sheep. They were shepherds over the sheep. That was a great and a marvelous task. That was the best task. The prodigal son has found himself with the task of keeping pigs, feeding the pigs. I'm going to tell you this task right here was a nasty. To feed the greedy, nasty, dirty, no swine. There's nothing worse for a Jew. He don't even want to eat it, much less feed it. He's hit rock bottom. There's nowhere else to go. We're in the we're in the pen with the swine. We're hanging out. It's gotten so bad. Not only are we feeding and watching over them, but he was happy to live with them. He was happy to just be in there with them. Not just live with them. He would have been happy to have filled his belly with food that a hog would eat. You tell me you can't get any lower than that. This man, this Jew, this fellow commoner is now living with swine. It's a tragedy in the Jewish life. This is a tragedy. But I'm going to tell you what this symbolizes. This is not just some sob story. This is a spiritual state of death in this man's life. He's as dead as you can get. And he begins to see that his father's ways, I need to get back to those. He begins to understand what his father was trying to teach him all those years. 
days to come to himself. Verse 17 through 19. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. You know, when he came to he had to be thinking for a moment, what a fool I've been. What have I been doing? I'm here in the pen with these swine. It's cold. I'm homeless. I'm friendless. And I'm starving. Life's tough. Because something happened to him we've seen in the previous verses. When the money ran out, the friends ran out. Not only had this man been doing some bad things, but he had put people around him that were using him. For his money. They didn't love him as a friend. They just used him. And he found himself alone. No one there. But he says for a moment, in my father's house, in my father's house, his servants, they have enough. Not only do they have enough, they have more than enough. They have surplus. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to ask him, I just want to be a hired servant. I don't even need to be your son. Just let me come back home. But I want you to see something. What's going on here is this big R word. We have to do it all the time. It's called repentance. He starts realizing he needs to repent. He's figured out, I messed up. I messed up. And he began to see the only way to fix what I've done. I've got to go back home to my father. I've got to go back home to him. He's got the wisdom that will help me through it all. You see, when a man tries to live without God, he's trying to live without life itself, and it doesn't work. We can't make it without God. For God is love, and it can be reversed around, and love is God, and that's so true. But to be without God is to be without hope in the world we live in. We need God. And the young man began to realize this, what he started to see was that to be with God was a sure hope. It was a sure future. No doubt. So he turned his eyes upon heaven. He began to realize. He began to confess what he really was. A typical, everyday sinner. I'm just a typical man. I'm a sinner that's not worthy of the blessings of life. But without you, Father, I'm nothing. Nothing, but I'll serve you, Father, not as your son, but as your servant. I just want to be your servant. I want you to use me, and I want you to use me because you love me, and you're going to take care of me. This man started to see something. He's not distinguishing himself anymore between his father's servants. He finds out, I'm not better than them. I'm just as guilty that we sit on the same level. I'm no better than these men. He begins to see this. What does he do? He wishes to be released from the misery of his lifestyle. He says, I'm coming home at any cost. He begins to confess his failures and he starts to come home. That's the only way we're going to make it right. Confessing what
starts humbling himself and telling of his guilt. He starts to feel the shame of the sin that he's put on himself. And he, he sees something in this. I found something interesting. The true repentance right here. Here's what he does. He sincerely desires to be controlled by the absolute will of God. He said, I'm coming home. I'm going to give it all to you, God. I can't do it. I'm coming home. True repentance. Feeling the shame of our own sin. And I'll tell you something that's interesting about how this is, is comes back to Father deals with this younger son. He has a different way of dealing with both of his children. He deals with his son in a way. It's just so loving. I want us to see verse 20 through 24 this morning. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and he had compassion and he ran and he fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight am no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring here the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. You see, the first thing that he does is he rises up. All of us should rise up and go to our Father. He rises up and he says, I'm going home. He starts to go realizing that I can't stay over here in this far messed up country. I'm headed back. No more delay. No more talking about it. I'm doing it. And he goes back. He gets up. We see something so loving about our Father. The Father had long awaited the return of his son. Because the father was sitting out there waiting. He was waiting and he was watching for him. And when he seen him a long way off, he ran to him. I want to tell you something. God runs to us. He doesn't sit back and wait on us. He's running for us. Statement to be made. God makes greater haste to run to the sinner than the sinner does to run to God. You tell me that's not love. Our God runs to us, and our Father, He greets us with love and compassion. Not where you've been, what have you been doing, son? I'm glad you're home. He was glad to see His son returning. He gives him a great big kiss. Not a cold, heartless welcome. There's no cold, heartless welcome in God. A loving God, and He greets us with arms wide open on our return. And those arms are open for us. But with a great, big, holy, compassionate kiss, he takes away our sins and he gives us his comforting love when we repent. You see, something happened to this young man. The younger son, he returns home different than he left. In a whole different state of mind, he begins confessing his sins and praying for pardon of his sins. He didn't do that before he left. But he comes home with true repentance. But look at this part. He has no excuses for what he does, for anything that happened but himself. There's no excuses. I can't blame it on anybody but me. It's my fault. I did it. It's on me. 
He begins to dwell on the greatness and the aggravation of sin. And it ought to aggravate us as we sin against our Father. And he begins to experience a true humility. There's nobody to blame but me. But I'll tell you something. The Father, he begins, he cuts him off. He doesn't get to finish his statement. He said, no, 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 that's all I need to hear, son. Stop right there. You're not going to even go any further. He didn't get to finish saying what he planned to say. Only a little bit came out, and the father said, no more. I don't need to hear any more. Son, I heard the forget. I heard you ask for forgiveness. I heard the repentance, and I know your hearts. And it was genuine. The father's great love and kiss showed him that he was still, and he always would be his son. You're my son. But he begins to show this sign of love as he, when he cuts him off. He said, I want you to bring the best robe, and I want you to put it on him. This was a mark of his love for his son, a mark of love. And he says, I want you to bring me a ring, and I want you to put it on his hand. And I'm not telling you the ring was just for beauty. I'm sure it was pretty. But this ring symbolizes a covenant of everlasting union between the father and the son. It never ends. It just keeps going. That's the kind of love God has for us. And then he goes as far as to say, bring him a pair of shoes. I don't know if he'd sold his shoes or how bad it got, but he wasn't going to wear those shoes anymore if he still had them. He said, bring him a pair of shoes because now he's going to walk different. He's going to be different. He's going to walk in a new way. He's going to walk in a way he's never known before. A new pair of shoes for a new, a new feet. New feet. And I'll tell you in this, there's something to be said about this story, the way the father handles his son. There was free and there was complete forgiveness. I tell you again, it was free. It was free. All he had to do was ask for it. There was no period of humiliation. Not with God. No period of humiliation. There was no trial. He didn't have to do anything to work back the approval of God. He didn't have to work back to be his son. No. There was complete restoration. He went from his torn, dirty, old, nasty rags. And they were exchanged for brand new, prance-like clothing. Tell you something else that he did. His hunger and his thirst, they're quenched. They're quenched by his father with a great feast. He throws a great feast. Because you see, in God, we're never hungry. And we'll never thirst again. And I believe when the Father welcomes us back in with his arms wide open, that all of heaven shouts in glory, and God is so delighted to have us back. Oh, what love our God has for us in coming home. This man was the typical everyday sinner. He was the outcast. He was the center of the flesh, the one you could see, but he was something great. He was the repentant sinner. He had it fixed and repented. But God, I'll tell you something about this. God will always be there with open arms for a repentant sinner. Arms wide open. What better place to live than in the arms of God? There's no greater place. 
But you know, just when you think this is the, the highlight of the story, that it's over, whew, the sun's home, everything's good, I'm going to tell you, something started happening. The devil had to get in on this part of it, and Christ begins to tell the story in this parable, this heavenly story, with a, uh, I mean, earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Christ is telling this story to the crowd. Guess who's in the crowd? None other than the Pharisees and scribes. They're in the crowd. He starts telling the story. Now we're going to see a difference. Something else is going to happen from being the repentant sinner. Now we see the elder brother coming to the equation. What happens with the elder brother? I'm going to tell you what he represents this morning. He represents the self-righteous, the proud sinner, the spiritual sin that nobody gets to see in the flesh. I'll tell you, folks, it's Christians that we deal with this on a daily basis. I battle this every day to become one of these two brothers. We can either be the proud, self-righteous sinner, or we can be the repentant, typical, everyday sinner. I want to see what happens to this brother. Verse 25 through 27. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. You see, the older brother who was in the field working all day, he spent all day out there. He was the hardworking one in the family. Long, hard day of work comes home. What's going on? Everybody's feasting. It is returned. And I'll tell you, when we first look at the elder brother, it would seem to the blind eye that he had it all figured out. He's a hardworking man, and his faults were going to be very small, right? The problem that we began to see is he was self-righteous. And I want to tell you that, too, is sin. The older son declares in all this, he begins his statement. That in all he had gone through for the Father, he never once received him back safe or sound. And he begins to make his accusation, verse 28 through 30. And he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and he entreated him. And he actually said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve you, neither transgressed or disobeyed I at any time. Your commandments, and yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this, your son was come, which has devoured your living with harlots, you killed for him the fatted calf. Notice in this part of the story, as it, as it kicks off, that the father did not send a hired servant outside to go get his son. He said, I'm going to go get him myself. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to get him myself. And he goes out, and he starts loving on him, and he asks him, son, just lay aside your heart feelings. Just put them away. Come inside. Celebrate. Your brother's home. Let's throw a feast. Come in. Have a good time and be happy. But I want to tell you, the son, the way he spoke to him, boastful and rude, the father never once breaks down. 
He never once breaks his composure. He loved him all the way through it. He loved him with a kind and tender heart. The father begged him to come back inside. Please, son, just come back. We, we began to see this oldest brother. He begins to say, you mistreated me. Daddy, you, you hadn't been taking care of me. You're way too good to that unworthy brother. I'm the good son. I'm the good one. And his self-righteous pride, it begins to be very loud and very vocal. And the father's there to hear it all. He begins to show that he looked upon himself as the father's I've been out here working for you all these years, being your slave, and now you're just going to take care of him like that? What about me? Seems like his heart is out of place. We don't work for God for that reason. That's not why we work for God. But the father is being accused of being an unjust master. It's not fair what you've done for him. And this brother, as we start to see, Son, difference. Verse 31 through 32. Let's see what he does. 
And he said to him, Son, you are ever with me, and all that I have is yours. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Tell you something, the father had allowed him all those years to eat at his table, and we should think it greater to share food at the table of God than with our friends. He just wanted a party with his friends. I ain't worried about my family. I want to throw a party with my friends. That's what he was thinking. I want to be with them. I'll tell you something, if we're a child of God, everything he has is yours is what he's trying to show, but you best believe you're sharing it with your brothers and sisters. Amen? It's God's kingdom. It ain't mine. It's God's kingdom. tell you at the close of this. This same father who ran to the youngest son came out of the house to plead with the eldest son. The father forgave both. He forgave, he forgave his younger son. But the eldest brother never forgave his younger brother. Grace was given to both. Forgiveness was given to both. But an unforgiving attitude from that older brother, I'll tell you what it did. It separated him from communion with God. To be prime. It keeps us from God. Say one thing. I wonder how this story must have ended. As I thought on it, the father never says another word. He ends with verse 32. The son never gets another say. I wonder if the father's loving way may have brought him back inside. I wonder if he comes back in the house and he just begins to celebrate. He forgives his brother and moves on. But I also wonder, or did he not come inside? Like the scribes and Pharisees did to Jesus. The door was wide open for them. They chose to stay outside. They chose not to go in with the Father. They chose not to forgive. They chose not to repent, losing all joy for Christ. Sum it up on one last thing with the eldest brother. John Wesley is preaching a sermon, a sermon of forgiveness, and after it was over, a man come to him and said, I will never forgive. I like the response he gave back, and I think about it in a sense. Then, sir, I hope you've never seen we look at these two sons, which one? Which son do we most represent? Who do we resemble in our lives this week? Who are we going to be next week? I think only you can answer that. We see this. Only we can answer who we're going to be. Only we can make those choices. I'll tell you something. If you think being one of the brothers tell you this morning, I don't want to be either one of those two. I want to be just like that father. That father that always had his arms wide open. That father that loved. And that's what he wants us to be. He wants us to be just like the father. The loving father. And we will struggle between being one of those two brothers. How will we find it this morning? Let's pray. Dear
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord, we thank you. For the Father that you sent to us, Lord, the Father that loves us, that always takes us back to him. Lord, we thank you so much for that love, that everlasting, eternal love that you have for us, Lord. Lord, I pray as we go through this week, Lord, as we begin to struggle with sin in our life, Lord, as we see ourselves becoming one brother or the other, Lord, that we hit our knees, Thank you that you 